Good day, my friend. And it's good to be back in uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation. Uh, take note, the only book in the Bible where, as you begin to read it, there is a promise of a blessing, right? And so um, we have come a long way. We've completed uh, chapter 13 going on to chapter 14 and I truly believe that your time thus far in uh, Revelation has been a good one. Now as I've said we are in Revelation 14 um, images of God's victory and the beast's defeat. Well you know um, any story that uh, has a villain in is normally a story that ends where the victor the righteous one triumphs well uh, revelation is um, much more um, thrilling than any uh, thriller or movie can be having said that let's continue the Lamb and the 144,000 on Mount Zion. Now that you get in verses 1, 2, 3. Now let's read. Then I looked and behold a Lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder and I heard the sound of harpers playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. This is what John sees. He sees a lamb standing on Mount Zion. And then with the Lamb, he sees 144,000 people with him. Now, in Revelation chapter 7, we have seen the 144,000 the last time when we saw them, right? And they were identified as a, a group of believers and most probably Jewish believers that uh, ministered during the tribulation and um, and now they we John sees them with a, a having been given a seal of protection uh, that came with them through out that period of tribulation they were sealed uh, they were protected. Um, so, yes, picture yourself, Mount Zion, and the Lamb on top of it, and the 144,000 with him. And that is a sign of victory. Victory over the Great Tribulation victory from the great tribulation 
So the beast that we read of in Revelation 13 certainly has not defeated the 144,000. We see them with Jesus, the Lamb of God, triumphant, worshipping, and yes, like I said, standing with Jesus, appearing with Jesus, victorious, overcomers, but uh, we'll read about the overcomers later on. Okay. There are two important questions uh, that this chapter, chapter 14, will answer for us. All right. And it's two important questions that was raised by chapter 13. Um, okay. The first question is, is the beast of Revelation 13 and especially 13.7 completely victorious over God's people? That's the first question. The second question has to do with Antichrist a satanic dictator and the question we ask there is what happens to the beast and his followers now the first question is the beast completely victorious over God's people that answer we get um, when we read here in uh, Revelation 14, first three verses, that the 144,000, John saw them appearing with the Lamb, with Jesus Christ, on Mount Zion. So the question is, no, the beast is not completely victorious over all God's people because we see here the 144,000 that he could not touch. Remember, the, 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 these are the people from Israel coming from the Great Tribulation. Now, the second uh, question that we will look at the answer right now. I said that in Revelation 7, um, at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, we see actually the 144,000. And in Revelation 14, it sh uh, seven uh, chapters later on, it shows them in triumph at the end of the Great Tribulation. All right. Um, now, it look at what John sees. He talks about the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. Uh, that is the ancient name. Zion is the ancient name uh, for the hills uh, that make up Jerusalem. Okay. 
This is the place where the Messiah gathers his redeemed and reigns over the earth. Psalm 48, Isaiah 24:23, Joel 2:32, Obadiah 17 and 21, and Micah 4, verse 1 and 7. Now, there is a view, there are some believers and some scholars that sees Mount Zion as the heavenly uh, Zion referred to in Galatians 4.26. Now this is the thinking. The 104,000 are actually victims of this beast and um, having been killed by the beast, they are now in heaven with Jesus. But looking at the context, right, it doesn't seem to match up. It uh, makes one's one wonder, uh, what was the good of God's seal of protection on the 144,000? And there was no need for that. So, uh, this view that, okay, they've come through the tribulation, the beast have, have killed them, and now they're in heaven with Jesus, uh, in the heavenly Zion, does not seem to fit in here. You can look, have a look again at Revelation 7.4. Um, yeah, when we look at Daniel chapter 3, 19 to 25, then we see that in Daniel's friend's case, they proved that they belong to the Father and that they have, and that God's, God's got the ability to preserve them because they were thrown in the fiery furnace nothing happened to them and so this 144,000 are like the young Jewish men Daniel's friends okay Daniel then saw something else he saw on their foreheads written the name of their father or his father's name. That is, of course, the lamb's um, father's name, right? Um, written on their foreheads. Now, take note on the foreheads. I have said in chapter 13 that um, uh, people receiving the mark in their hand and in their forehead, right? not on their hands and on their foreheads but here now the father's name is written on the foreheads on the foreheads of the 144,000 and I have said in chapter 13 that um, uh, Satan and the beast uh, what they will do is put a mark in the hand of in the forehead of their followers. 
Revelation 13, 16 to 17. And again, one can just see how a copycat this, the devil is, Satan is. He is a um, forger. He is uh, a copier, a copycat. Um, uh, whatever he sees, Father does, he will also try and duplicate. Okay? Now, the Father's name is written, and the same with the, with the, with the Antichrist, right? It's either his number or his name. So there you can see how he copies. And the 144,000, uh, the reason why the name of the Father is written on the foreheads is to show that they belong to Father God. Yeah. Now, this is how Spurgeon um, used this in one of his sermons and I quote and who were these people having his father's name written in their foreheads not B's for Baptists not W's for Wesleyans not E's for established church they had their father's name and nobody else's what a deal of fuss is made on earth about our distinctions we think such a deal about belonging to this denomination and the other. Why? If you were to go to Heaven's Gates and ask if they had any Baptists there, the angel would only look at you and not answer you. If you were to ask if they had any Wesleyans or members of the established church, he would say nothing of the sort. But if you were to ask him whether they had any Christians there, hey, he would say an abundance of them. They are all one now all called by one name the old brand has been obliterated and now they have not the name of this man or the other they have the name of god even their father stamped on their brow unquote and that's spurgeon uh, the one thing i agree with spurgeon here is that we're making a big deal about churches we have even gone further than that we are making a big deal about leaders pastors whatever you call them whatever by whatever name they call themselves right we have even gone further than that and and so we find at the moment that uh, the thing that we call church is more dividing believers than uniting believers. And this is an interesting scripture that John says, uh, the Father's name is written on their foreheads, right? Um, Jesus said, they will kill you, why? For my name's sake. They will persecute you, why? For my name's sake. Not because you belong to a particular church, Yes, they're not interested in what church because there are churches today in the communist countries like China that are flourishing because they are approved churches. They preach what the regime wants them to preach. So they are fine. Okay. We get 
persecuted because of the name of Jesus, carrying that name, the name of Jesus. Now, John says, um, then he had a voice, a voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. Now you can just imagine, when you are at the sea, you hear how the waters, the sea water, how it churns and how it breaks and how it roars and the sounds that it makes. And he says, amidst that, right, and hearing that, he hears also uh, like the voice of loud thunder. And this is the voice of God. Revelation 1.15, check it again. Revelation 4.5. Um, what God was saying, well, uh, uh, that is, that is not, that is not said here, okay? It's not said here. Maybe seeing the Lamb on the Mount Zion with the 144,000, this might have been God proclaiming His approval, right? Like we find it in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. But you know, with all the waters, the many waters, sounds of voice of many waters and the voice of loud thunder, he heard also the sound of harpers playing their harps. Wow, that must have been an, an, an awful, uh, uh, awesome, uh, great scene. And, and to hear. Now, interesting thing that I want to mention here is that I think uh, one of the things that we as, as people, as mankind have lost is our hearing. We have lost our hearing. Just think uh, dogs, for instance, they have the ability to hear, their, their hearing is fine-tuned. Can you just re, uh, imagine how fine-tuned our hearing will be when we are in heaven? John's hearing is fine-tuned. Yes, where do we come across harps? Well, we still remember the harps of Revelation 5 verse 8. Yes, the elders, you are right. Uh, that's where we we heard about the harps. And maybe, maybe, when we heard that music there, it was to accompany the worshipful singing uh, of the 144,000. Because what they did was they sang a new song. Now, in order for you to sing a new song, you must have, you must have had an old song. And so now they sing a new song. And, and this new song is so 
unique to them that no one else can sing that song with them. You know, there's a song that we as believers can sing that the angels cannot sing, right? And it's the song that says, once I was lost, but now I am found. You know, it's a unique song in the sense that angels cannot sing it with us. It's only the believers that can sing that. But there's a there's an interesting thing that John adds to this singing. He says, and they sang as it were a new song before the throne. In Revelation 14 verse 1, the 144,000 stand firmly on earthly Mount Zion. Yet we see an interesting thing. The interesting thing is that their praise their praise transported them right into the presence of God, right before the throne. Right? That's, that's a kind of experience that we as believers sometimes have. When we praise and worship God, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, in a group. When we do it alone, when we do it with our family, it transports us to that heavenly place. And we know God makes earth his footstool and heaven his throne. Yes. Again, let's go to Spurgeon. Let's hear what he says, and I quote, To be wrapped in praise to God is the highest state of the soul. To receive the mercy for which we praise God for is something. But to be wholly clothed with praise to God for the mercy received is far more. Why? Praise is heaven. And heaven is praise. To pray is heaven below, but praise is the essence of heaven above. When you bow in adoration, you are at your very highest." Unquote. Spurgeon, he goes on to say, Spurgeon goes on to say, and I quote, Heaven is not the place to learn that song. It must be learned on earth. You must learn here the notes of free grace and dying love, and when you have mastered their melody, you will be able to offer to the Lord the tribute of a grateful heart, even in heaven, and blend it with the harmonies eternal." Unquote. Yeah, my friend, worship and praise to God. That's what we see. Look, this, this we have seen 
since we have started with uh, Revelation, we have seen that happening. Whether it's the 24 elders, whether it's the angels, whoever it was, um, the beasts, um, whoever it was, but we see that time and time and time again. Right. Now, when we go from here to verses 4 and 5, we get the description of the 144,000. This is because John wanted to know, now, who are these, right? And this is the answer given. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Yes. You see what you, the people that you see, they are virgins. Um, there are some view uh, that the virginity of the 144,000 that it's a symbol a sign of the fact that they were pure like we read in 2nd Corinthians 11 verse 2 um, it is true that Paul recommended celibacy in distressing times. 1 Corinthians 7, 25 to 35. Um, and uh, in Matthew 24, 19 to 21, uh, Jesus also said, you know, when these things happen, um, it is better that you are not with child. It isn't hard to see that God would call these 144,000 to a little celibacy. And especially then during the Great Tribulation. Um, that's a great possibility. Now commonly the term virgins is applied to women, not men. And um, does that mean that the 144,000 that we read about here are women? Uh, A.T. Robertson, a Greek scholar, he says, and I quote, Partinos can be applied to men as well as women. Partinos, that is virgin. Um, now, my friend, if, the, if this um, term, virgins, uh, if that is a, a picture of general purity, it sort of connects the 144,000 with Israel. Why do I say so? Well, um, one of the Bible scholars said, and I quote, Israel is referred to frequently in the Bible as 
the virgin, the daughter of Zion, 2 Kings 19.21 and Isaiah 37.22. As the virgin daughter of Zion, Lamentations 2.13. And as the virgin of Israel, Jeremiah 18 verse uh, uh, 13. Uh, Jeremiah 31 verse 34 and uh, 21 and then Amos 5 verse 2 um, okay and these are the ones that follow the lamb wherever he went they are of Jewish heritage Revelation 7 4 to 8 yet they also clearly believes in Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah. Otherwise, they would not stand with the Lamb, follow the Lamb wherever He goes, and could not be without fault before the throne of God. So yes, each of the vast multitudes saved during the tribulation will be saved in exactly the same manner as anyone today by grace, through a personal faith in Jesus Christ unto salvation. Even though the rapture of God's people ends God's dealings with, the, with uh, God's body here on earth, it certainly does not change the way people come to salvation or become part of the larger family of God. And so my friend today, um, this is where we're going to end and when we come back we're going to continue and look at these were redeemed from among men being first fruits to God and to the Lamb and I pray that 